Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked on Guardians. I'm your host, as always, Jeff Ellis, formerly of Scout, formerly of 24-7, now all of Locked On. I want to thank you for making Locked On Guardians your first listen today and every day, being available on all podcasting platforms, apps, services, wherever you can get a podcast, you will find this show. Maybe you're listening to this during some fantastic Black Friday shopping. I don't know what you're doing, but whatever it is, I hope you're having a good time. On today's show, we're going to discuss the two waiver claims. That's about as close as we get to uh, breaking things over the past few days when it comes to the Indians. And in general, it's been kind of quiet. There really hasn't been too much to add uh, since our last podcast, which was before Thanksgiving. Uh, For the rest of the show, we're then going to jump off of the, as for mentioned, uh, waiver claims and talk about a draft class. We have not done that this week, and that is always uh, something that people seem to enjoy, a bit of a fan favorite. So yeah, that is our plan for the rest of today's show. As always, give me ideas, thoughts. Um, uh, Nathan has been absolutely fantastic for that, so I want to take a second and thank him for continuing to help fill the ideas as they come with the show. It When you're doing it as much as I am, it can start to drag. Uh, we'll get into all of that in a bit, and sometimes it's just hard to find things. I'll be honest, it's hard to find things in my own history. I must have spent about an hour preparing for the show, trying for the life of me to find my 2017 MLB draft folder. I was like, okay, I was working at Scout then. What's going on? Uh, Couldn't find it. (laughs) Couldn't locate it. Hopefully I will eventually figure out where it is. I found traces of it in my old computer, the link to Google Drive that doesn't exist. So if anyone has a good free software that allows me to access like now they just say dot g doc so if you have any advice for accessing those files let me know because uh, it'd be great to be able to find all that old data but let's get into the waiver claims these were interesting uh, i thought someone because we've talked about many times on this show it's hard to find outfielders i thought there'd be some team out there interested in daniel johnson but i was wrong you know maybe i overestimated him overvalued him Maybe the Indians, well, it appears the Indians were definitely correct because Daniel Johnson isn't going anywhere. Daniel Johnson is remaining with the Indians. He's not a minor league free agent yet, so he doesn't have any other choice, chance, or opportunity. Maybe he'll get a minor league invite to camp. But right now, like, he's in the same boat as, uh, you know, Oscar Gonzalez himself. I mean, those are guys kind of in that second tier down below, and I would put him below Oscar Gonzalez because Oscar... um, hasn't had an opportunity yet and for whatever reason everyone's kind of soured on daniel johnson we'll see uh what happens for him but i mean with his combination of tools it's still shocking to me that uh, so many people are so ready to just give up uh if you're wondering like oh what about the rule five with him well if no one wanted him when they could have put him on their 40-man roster no one's going to claim him in the rule five and you have to put him on your 25-man roster and it costs you 50k so i wouldn't worry about such things uh Justin Garza and Alex Young should be no surprise. Young, remember, he passed almost entirely through waivers to even get to the Indians. I mean, they had a mid-waiver claim on this performance of Cleveland. Didn't do anything to uh, make him look like that f- former high second-round pick that he was. Um, and then Garza, we've talked about, there's not there's not really much upsider potential there. I mean, he is kind of more of a quad A type, just when you look at the fact that he's got the one pitch, essentially, that'll be successful. Um, so let's talk about the players that got claimed. Scott Moss to the Phillies makes sense. Moss in 2016 was a fourth round pick, reliever, 
but uh, at Florida because the depth of that Florida team was unbelievable. Uh, in the, Cleveland worked with him. It's just he couldn't stay healthy this past year, and other people had passed him in terms of priority and protection. Uh, Philadelphia could use some starter depth. They're they're pretty set at four or five uh, spots in the rotation. And Zach Eflin, I believe, is coming back. So, I mean, they're kind of already set in their entire rotation. But as we learned last year, uh, you can never have enough depth. The Phillies lack depth. And he's still a six foot six inch left hander who two years ago looked like the Indians' number six pitcher. Uh, you know, control. It is interesting in the regard that when the Indians acquired him, his biggest knock was control. And as we've talked about before, that's not really what the Indians are best at. They're not best at refinement, they're best at finding another gear. So, yeah, good for him and good for the Phillies. And then Kyle Nelson to the Diamondbacks is interesting. And this is actually going to be where we jump off into for segments two and three, talking about the draft class, because Nelson was part of the 2017 draft class. And he's a lefty who two, no, three years ago, I'm trying to think last time was in the minors, uh, it was uh, 2019. So that's two years ago. I mean, I thought, you know, Karen Schock was in his own tier, and then I had Nelson right there with uh, Nick Sandlin. You know, you can comment about my ability to scout relievers. I will also say in my defense, I was on Cam Hill, but when no one was on Cam Hill, uh, I know he's no longer on the 40-man. But hey, you know, I, I can I can get some reliever stuff right sometimes. Either way, though, Nelson's stuff backed up a little bit. I mean, I, I was talking to people in AA Akron uh, about that trio of arms because they had just seen all of them in the last calendar year. And the honest goodness truth was they were all as high as I was. Like when I would talk with people, like, no, he's right up there with them. Uh, I do want to say that Liebs was slightly lower. I want to give Liebs some credit and say that Liebs is like, I don't know. So maybe give some credit to Aaron Lieberman, who we had on the show almost a year ago. I'll have to connect with Liebs again, uh, get him on. Always great information from him. But yeah, I think Liebs might have been holding back a little bit. Wasn't as high on him. But it's just you look at Nelson, you look at the performance. <laughs> the Indians could use a lefty, but he might be one of those guys who was more of a loogie. Uh, overall could have maybe excelled more in that role that just doesn't exist anymore. But if you are the Diamondbacks and you have some open spots on your roster, uh, why not add a lefty who you know, has multiple years of options, uh, has some good developmental history, uh, and some time in the big leagues? It, it, it's a worthy gamble. Uh, I get... You got a pair of left-handed pitchers. What did we talk about when we talked about them making these roster decisions they made? Lefties are more valuable. That is just the nature of it. You have that scarce resource. It's the same thing we talked about when we talked about catchers, center fielders, and shortstops. That's the three scarcest positions along with left-handed pitching. The Indians saved Mercado and John, or not Johnson, and Zimmer because they are no doubt center fielders that they can hopefully trade for some kind of asset. We'll have to wait and see. That is their belief, though. I believe that is why they held on to him. They're not going to keep both those guys uh, when you need to have someone that, uh, you know, when they both have to remain on the roster. I believe both are out of options. So we'll see how it plays out. But that is what happened uh, in terms of who was let go. Daniel Johnson surprised me. Moss really didn't. Potential starter that close to the big leagues. Uh, starters are so expensive. It's just a reminder right now that starting pitching gets massively expensive to acquire. Uh, specifically and especially left-handed starting pitching. So I'm almost surprised that no one wanted to give up an asset for him. And I'm almost surprised, A, you know, that's A, and B, that 
he got to the Phillies in the claim line. Like when you look at that line of claiming, that means Nelson got claimed before Moss, which also says something about the overall valuation on such players. But yeah, something to check out, something to consider. We're gonna take, uh, we're gonna come back and discuss that 2017 draft class. It's a really interesting draft class. Where the Indians did something they really haven't done before or since. Make sure to tune in for that. So here's the thing. This is my second attempt at an ad read for Built Bar because I got so excited when I went and looked at their Black Friday deals. I was at two minutes plus on the ad read because I was just like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Using the promo code LOCK15, we go to BuiltBar.com, helps us out. You know, they have uh, so many great things going on though right now. They sold out of their vanilla cream. They've revealed the mystery flavor was fruity cereal. Now I want to try it. Uh, Extra discounts on blueberry muffins, strawberry, paranormal pumpkin, the fruity cereal, And by the way, they sent me these free samples of ruby chocolate and lemon dipped cheesecake. Now these have a few more grams of sugar, eight and nine uh, with those, but it's still 17 grams of protein, 150 calories. (laughs) They're really good. I had them. I was like, oh my goodness, these are fantastic. The coating on them is just, it's like you're eating a candy bar. This is legitimate. It is a candy bar, but it's, it's full of protein. I, I'm i probably going to place an order because you also get two free Crave bars right now with every order. So you want to go to BuiltBar.com. 20% off site-wide right now. Extra discounts on certain flavors. Plus, you're getting two free Crave bars. My goodness, you can see why I'm so excited. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Remember that promo code is LOCKED15. Deep breath. Sorry. I, I'm just sitting here going... I need to order built bars like and this is me being me this is not me doing the ad read that's just after seeing all of that you're getting the rest of this podcast knowing that when uh when this is done i'm gonna do some some black friday shopping <laughs> through built bar uh let's bring up the 2017 draft class so the indians did not have a first rounder this year and that was because they signed ed wooden Encarnacion. so that's something that definitely stands out in this class that they had no first rounder now the the humor I can't find. You know, I, I told everyone, you know, off the top, I was very honest. I was like, I was trying to find my first round, my 2017 data, and it's not there. But I do know that the player that I had them take um, in the top of the second round, I did not take Quentin Holmes, who the Indians had took. Uh, it's been rather brutal for him in the minors. I, there's, he'll probably be released this year like if we are being really honest he has a very high chance of of ended up being released uh, he just finished his best season ever in the minors a 226 batting average 284 on base 302 slugging 586 ops that's the first time he's hit over 200 first time he's had an ops over 280 and the first time he's had a slugging over 290 uh i mean he was a guy who was known at new york athletic uh, 80 grade speed, probably the best speed in the class. He was very young for the class, even though we're talking about someone who was drafted four years ago. Uh, he's 22. You know, he turned, he was seven, didn't turn 18 until July of that year. Uh, a lot of things the Indians were focused on. That was that period where they were drafted nothing but outfielders with their top pick and going for athletes, very young for class. They certainly switched. Um, he was Quentin Holmes, just a talking about this uh overall you know so he was their top selection uh that has not worked out the humor of it as i was saying to kind of get back to that was uh in terms of my shadow draft i do remember who i had them take in my shadow draft um instead of quentin holmes that was trevor stefan like all these years later he ended up with the indians he was far and away my highest player uh listed now uh 
other players, you might be like, oh, Dalton Varsho would have been a better pick, and you're right. And Dalton Varsho, by the way, cost less. Quinton Holmes was kind of expensive. He was almost a million dollars at that slot uh, in this round. But Trevor Steffen was the guy I was high on. I was also very high on Zach Lothar, uh, who went not long after that to the Orioles. I was not high on Ty Freeman, I'll be honest. Um, you know, it's, it's a build I typically miss on. The Indians and I definitely disagree when it comes to contact-oriented hitters. Yeah, I was I was not as high there, but it, they they weren't as well. I mean, uh, Ty Freeman cost. Let's see, do the math. Can I do it quickly enough? About close to 150, 160, well, over 150, almost 160 thousand dollars less, and was taken with their competitive B pick instead of. Um, yeah, they took Holmes at pick 64, so they waited seven picks to get Freeman. So Freeman wasn't even their high guy. Um, Adam Hall went a little bit higher in this. I remember I was very high. Mark Benitos, I was very high on, uh, but those guys were all off the board in terms of, um, you know, players I was uh, maybe higher on than the field at that point in time. Uh, if you go back, so the Indians were picking 28th. If we look at the first round, signing Edwin Encarnacion cost them the 28th pick in the draft. That pick turned into Nate Pearson uh, of the Blue Jays. Uh, in terms of other players they could have potentially drafted there. Uh, Drew Rasmussen has had the most success. He went uh, 31st to the Rays, did not sign. Now it's interesting, he's back with the Rays. Uh, had arm issues and injuries that caused him to slide a little bit. Chris Cease would have probably been someone I would have expected the Indians to take. I think he just got like traded uh, in some minor deals that hasn't really uh, gone well or as expected for him. You look at the end of this first round, uh, you know, Pearson is a big-name prospect. I don't know, never been as high on him as the field. But other names to point out, uh, Jeter Downs will probably make his big league debut this season. Uh, Tristan Lutz, I believe the Brewers just left unprotected. Brian Miller was an interesting guy. He was always a little bit lower in the field on, who went to the Marlins. And Brent Rooker, who went to uh, the Twins there at the top of round two. As we're looking at the end of the round, uh, Griffin Canning is your most successful, I think, in this whole draft, second rounder outside of Dil- Dil- uh, Dalton Varsho. So, but again, it's been a relatively recent class. Like Drew Waters, who some people love to death, I'm a little lower on there. Uh, he was the fifth pick at the top of the second round for 1.5. Uh, Louis Campesino, who a lot of people are still super high on, was in there. MJ Melendez went in the second round, who the the Royals just added to their 40-man roster. Uh, if you're laughing, I saw Corbin Martin had that second war. I was confusing my Corbins. It's like, how does he have a negative war? And then I realized what was happening there. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of a lot of players maybe you're hoping will still get a little bit more. We'll figure things out. But so far, it's been almost kind of a disappointing class when you're looking at a few years later. Now, again, those high school kids take longer. I mean, a high school kid can hit the majors by now, but it's also not shocking when even some of the bigger names have not. Every player in this class, though, um, I believe was, you know, all the high school kids would be Rule 5 eligible um, from this class uh, heading into this offseason. Other players of note, Greg Dietschman, we talked about when he got traded before the deadline. Drew Ellis, I talked about as a sleeper. You know, In terms of the first round, who would they have likely taken? Probably 
you know, who's, I'm kind of looking at that. I'm like, probably, you know, the athletic high school outfielder, um, you know, it's like, would it have maybe, I don't see, I don't think it would have necessarily been Tr- Tristan Lutz. I feel like he was old for his class, but wasn't Connor Uselton or, or one of those guys kind of in this range? Um, I don't know if they would, like I said, maybe Chris Cease would have been the guy uh, if they'd held on to that pick. I think Uselton was maybe at the end of the second round. That's why I'm thinking of him. Yeah, he was in second round of the Pirates. Uh, top of the first. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe they would have considered Drew Waters. Uh, it was not a great... You know, and MJ Melendez. Let's, let's throw that out there. He got 2.097. I don't know what the value would have been at the 28th pick right now, top of my head. But they do like, you know, son of a coach. His dad was the coach for Logan Allen the Younger at Florida Atlantic. That's why I thought Melendez was going to be an impossible sign. Those coaches' sons almost always go to play for dad. He did not. He went pro. Good for him. It's worked out well for him. But I think he could have been there. You know, Mark Venitos would have been kind of interesting because some people think he was bound to be, you know, move off of where he was playing at the time. Uh, And he was one of the youngest players in the class. He's one of those guys who was um, anointed anointed <laughs> ooh anointed as a potential 1-1 guy very early into his minor league career uh, in terms of that second round you know it's like the redraft you probably want to take Dalton Varsho there just because of his flexibility uh, and what he has done as a hitter he's at least a league average guy he can play some outfield play some catcher you probably are happy with Ty Freeman with that second pick in the second round uh, we'll come back in segment three and look at the rest of those picks in rounds three through 10, and then talk about a little day three where Kyle Nelson, who started this whole uh, series, fell. It's Thanksgiving. We all know what that means. Football. And nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. BetOnline has you covered all holiday season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with the promo code Locked On. And it's not just football. BetOnline has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, and your favorite Vegas casino games, and even poker. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline. We're stuffed with Thanksgiving deals. Okay, so in round three, just to dive right into this one, they take Jonathan Rodriguez, who I loved this pick at the time. I remember I kept this pick in the muck in my uh, shadow draft. I know I changed the Tyler Freeman pick, um, but I remember loving uh, Rodriguez. He was a late reclassification, like either in April or I want to say maybe as late as May. He reclassified. He should have been in the next year's draft class. Uh, It hasn't gone as hoped, but, you know, that's what it was. I was really high on Blaine Enloe, and, you know, this is back before. Like nowadays, I would never, ever give like that huge chunk of my um, my team's draft pool to a, a high school player. But I really like Blaine Enloe. Uh, and he was old for the level and only got 14.2 innings, but they were really good 14.2 innings. Uh, you know, I didn't really dive into the Blaine Enloe of it all because it wasn't until I looked at the list that I remembered. I really moved heaven and earth to make enough cap space to sign Blaine Enloe. Uh, it didn't work out for me as uh, Ty Freeman is better by a significant margin than Blaine Enloe and costs like 1.1 million less 
Blaine Enlow got $2 million. It was pretty big money for him to go to the Twins, but I, I had a first-round grade on him uh, there in that round. Round three, you got Taylor Walls, who was the fourth pick. Uh, and I laugh because, you know, he was the cheapest of those first seven players. And he's the only one who's made it to the to the big leagues. And he's the bat, you know, you can look at the offensive stuff. But defensively, like he was a second baseman in college who's one of the top defensive uh, guys in baseball uh, for that position. I, I'm trying to remember. I feel like I somehow tried to get... Luis Gonzalez because I was extremely high on him to the Indians so maybe I did like Stefan and Gonzalez and Blaine Enlow and kind of punted the rest of this class Wyatt Mills I did an interview with before that and I talked about him when he was recently let go uh, why I think he could still have a bright future Uh, just going through the list I mean Dylan Bubsy goes in the third round he had first round hype coming into the start of the year Riley Mahan was another player I was high on later in the process. Same with Daniel Tillo. Uh, neither guy's made it to the big leagues, so take that for what it is worth. Connor Wong, I've discussed many times how high I was on Connor Wong because uh, he was part of the trade from the with the Mookie Betts deal. Uh, the Indians took you know Rodriguez with the I'm sorry they would have had pick 27 in every round, uh, so they got you know he was four four hundred fifty thousand. He was actually pretty low priced and i'm trying to remember if i managed to keep him or not uh in terms of you know could they have better invested that money probably the one the one hard thing is you almost have to when you're picking that late you have to look at who in the fourth round would have been great well in the fourth round only what five guys have made it to the big leagues peter solomon is the has the best war with uh, six games pitched for the uh, the Astros, uh, the Astros though I got to give them credit because they realized something. It took me a few years later to realize they were targeting Notre Dame because Notre Dame was so bad at development. If you you know you listen to the show, you've heard me talk about this. This was a very smart move at the time because they were really 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 bad at development. So you want to you draft players in there because you have a better chance of getting a better return on investment because uh, guys would just come out half baked, undercooked, as it were. So. Uh, they were 100% targeting those players. Uh, in terms of the Indians' own fourth round, of those five guys drafted to make the big leagues, Ernie Clement is one of them. So that pick actually turned out pretty well for them. And at, at 40 games played, uh, one he's the most successful fourth rounder. So they actually had the best fourth rounder in this class with that 27th overall pick. Jumping to the fifth round, the Indians took Austin Wade, who's no longer in the organization. Um, you know... It, one of those, uh, they like Big 12 guys. They still trust those Big 12 scouts, even though the Big 12 has had a bit of a decline. Uh, there's not really, I mean, Bruce Zimmerman's been okay. Josh Fleming looked pretty solid last year for the Rays. Uh, not a whole lot of standouts. Jake Latz, we talked about on the show, the Kent State pitcher who never actually pitched at Kent State. Uh, I can't remember if he was traded or what occurred there. Sam McMillan is your big bonus guy in that round of the Tigers, right? Yeah, a million dollars to him. Alex Sheriff, who was linked to points to the Indians, got 700000 one pick before the Indians. Hasn't worked for either of them. Uh, in general, this draft just is not, has not produced. Now, it's a relatively recent one, so we'll give it some, uh, some room to breathe. But at the same time, you turn around and you look at the seventh round of this draft. Now, it is a high school heavy round no i'm sorry this is a college heavy round there's uh 
let's see, two, three, four high schoolers taken in this entire round. Um, Tyler Zuber is the only player to get to the big leagues. And his signing bonus, $2,500. That's going to be one of the lowest ones you hear in the entire draft. Tyler Zuber, uh, Royals, got him out of Arkansas State. The Indians, in terms of their selection, was Mike Rivera, who they had previously had connection to. I think they might have even drafted him previously. Uh, defensive specialist, a catcher. You know, they were maybe trying to find another Roberto Perez type of Florida college guy known almost exclusively for his ability as a defender. Uh, I, I did like some guys in the seventh. We were discussing the sixth previously. Uh, Lucas Gilbreth, I wrote about extensively. I saw him at Minnesota when he uh, faced Ohio State. And that Ohio State lineup ended up having multiple players that got drafted, and he just he tore them up. Uh, he's had a .9 war, 47 games, 1.31 whip, 3.38 ERA, uh, top performer. Though you got guys like Nick Marjavicious, who, you know, he's pit, played 32 games in the big leagues. You've got Nick Maton, who's had a lot of games in the big leagues with the Phillies. Uh, Jared Olivier was a big prospect who, uh, I feel like, did he come up with the Pirates? There, You know, he had some hype with him. Uh, he was one of those guys that coming out of the University of Arizona, a lot of people thought he would end up going a lot higher in the draft. In his draft year, Zach Pop, I really liked as a reliever coming out of uh, Kentucky. The Indians took Kirk McCarthy, we've talked, McCarty, not McCarthy, McCarty. Uh, health held him back this past year. Uh, he was, you know, $250,000 bonus. Southern Miss, now they're familiar with this program. They drafted a lot of guys from that Southern Miss program. Uh, this entire draft, what stands out and it's kind of interesting, it's the one time there's not a senior sign. Uh, especially as they got into these later rounds, like the eighth, uh, they offered just kind of full freight what was left. And the eighth was a really strong draft round for them. And it's a draft round. I, you know, when I give up writing about this stuff at some point, I'm going to always remember the top of the eighth round and me just tweeting at the Indians. Hey, isn't it, uh, isn't it Eli Morgan time? And then in the eighth round, uh, it, it was Eli Morgan time and they drafted him. And as a six starter, I mean, he looks very strong in that. And right now, he is the best player from that eighth round uh, in this draft class. Just continuing. So now that means they've drafted the top guy in the fourth and eighth round. For what that's worth, uh, that's something. Because they also drafted the top guy in the ninth round is why you have to laugh. That's the James Karinchok round. Uh, he's had his ups and downs. We already know some of the issues. He got one of the biggest bonuses, which was just full slot. They offered him full slot there. He took it. Um, I definitely kept Eli Morgan in my mock. I believe I might not have actually kept Karen Chalk because I wasn't a fan of guys with bad control. Uh, but, hey, you know, I, I was rather poor in this draft class, especially I, somewhere in there. I, I took Luke Birch, who I loved out of Kent State. I mean, he was just – he was so good at Kent State. I'm sure it's not gone well since then. But, uh, I mean, he was like a four-and-a-half tool guy when he was at Kent. And – this past year, you know, in Double A, he had a OPS over 700. He's hit 298 across the minors, so there's just no power at all, which is not a surprise when he had no power in school. You know, I'll stand by it. Luke Birch for 15,000. That's that's a solid pick. I mean, the guy just hits. He's an, actually a bit of an Indians profile type. Uh, 
But the rest of that ninth round, Packy Naughton's the only guy who's made it to the big leagues. Your tenth round, I really like Jesse Berardi here. Uh, that didn't work. I know I took Zach Reeks with one of my picks to save money. I do remember that because I remember he got the lowest bonus in the top ten rounds. And I was like, why did he get the lowest bonus? Like, I actually liked him. He got $1,500. You know, he got even less than that $2,500 uh, we mentioned earlier. Uh, but this round has had some guys. John King, Alex uh, Bettinger, and Connor Brogdon. And we always talk about the importance of the 11th. The 11th is like a day two pick, basically. The Indians in the 11th round took Matt Turner. I've talked about him a lot through the years. Health is an issue. An interesting lefty who can miss bats. Uh, the Astros took another Notre Dame pitcher. And then overall, just to go back and look at this class, uh, Turner was also a $200,000 bonus. That's n- not an insignificant amount of money. Dante Mendoza in the 12th, he was traded. We just looked at the player he was traded for. I'll get that. Uh, Angel Lopez was an interesting catcher. But Kyle Nelson was in the 15th. Come down to the end of it. It gets kind of interesting. Guys like Cole Turney, where I'm like, man, what happened to him? He had potential first-round run at the start of this draft class. Uh, but you also have to point out some of the bigger names, too, like Asa Lacey, who they took in the 31st round, and I had mocked them repeatedly uh, just because he fit their profile. Now he goes to college and goes much higher. Casey Opitz, the defensive catcher who uh, I believe just this past year as a senior was drafted basically for his defense. How about Austin Martin was also in this draft class who had gone to be a high pick. Josh Rolette, Rolette, who they would uh, eventually draft again and sign. Cole Kletchy and Scott Kobos would go on to get redrafted. And Jorge okay, Jorge A. Uh, see, Dante Mendoza was traded to Pittsburgh. Oh, he was the other guy in the uh, the Luplo deal along with Tajne Thomas. Cole Turney's like, I feel bad for him. And this is why I feel bad for him. So he was supposed to go to University of Arkansas. He played for University of Arkansas, University of Houston, uh, San Jacinto College, and uh, Round Rock College in there. At University of Houston this past year, he got in six games. At Arkansas, he got in four games. He was a, a tough little guy, six foot one, two fifteen, bad defender, but. Why I feel bad is the Indians took him in the 34th round, and this is where it's kind of nice because, you know, he was like a, a legitimate top 15, top 20 talent at points viewed that way, and his career is done. Like He went to, to Houston, and, I mean, maybe he's got a chance. He, he could maybe get redshirted because he had a severe uh, injury. So I, I'm wishing for the best for him. I hope he gets that opportunity because I just, I hate to see that. I hate to see that kid who was, you know, he went to to college, probably told he's going to get an opportunity. Arkansas had a loaded outfield, didn't happen, bounced around, COVID happened. And I just hate seeing those kids, those kids that I, I mean, I end up following a lot of these guys. There was a player from Ohio, Zach Shannon, who I was, I would always check up on every year, but it, it's the guys who had potential first round run at times who, uh, you know, had bounced around a few different spots and I just I want to see them land somewhere and get a extended looking opportunity I, I hate hate the idea that someone like Cole Turney's uh you know 
only time he's going to get drafted is by the Indians in the 34th round. You know, that's it's just not the way it's supposed to work out. Uh, Spencer Strider, who was already made to the big leagues, I believe, as a reliever, was another guy they took at the back of that round. Uh, he'd go on to be a fourth-round pick of the Braves and has appeared in the big leagues this past year at the Braves. So they drafted a lot of guys. Their best picks in this draft class, honestly, were the players they didn't sign. Uh, the players they were completely unable to sign. But it's an interesting and fun draft class. We're running long. I want to thank you for listening. Raging review, download daily. It helps our little show grow. Let's get us back in the top 100 baseball podcasts on iTunes. Uh, and as we now say, go, go, Guardians, go.